Welcome everyone. We are continuing our study of Simha. We are in class number 60. <clears throat> we mentioned a few classes ago that the Mishnah Perkei Avot talks about a great rabbi who asked the students to go out and find what he calls Derech Yeshara. Derech Yeshara means a straight path that a person should cling very close to this path. The Mahzor um, Vitri, one of the great Rishonim, writes that the Pasuk says, Re'e in Devarim, Moshe Rabbeinu says, Re'e natati lefanecha, I have given before you et hahayim ve'et hatov. I have given you life and I have given you good. Ve'et hamavet ve'et hara. Or you have the opposite of life and the opposite of good. So the rabbi was asking his students when the Torah refers to I gave you et hahayim. What does he mean by that? What is the road of Hayim? That's what he was asking his students. What is the road of Hayim that will bring Tov? So as you remember, we learned that each one gave his own assessment or opinion. One says, Ayin Tovah, a good eye. One said a good friend. One said a good neighbor. One said the ability to see the future and consequences. And one says, Lev Tov. As Rabbi Al-Azhar says, a good Lev. Which we explained, like Rabbi Yonah says, that a good Lev means a person who has Savlanut, a person who has patience, who has the inner strength, he has the will of the Lev to be Sovel, and not to get flustered. But I want to share with you the end of that Mishnah. Amar lahem, he said to his students, Ro'e ani edvre el-azar ben arach. I agree, or I see it best, like Rabbi el-azar, the last opinion, the left of, Savlanut. Because whatever you said, it's not like I disagree with you. I agree. I got it. I agree with you. But he says what he said includes everything you said. So if you have left off, you also have all the things that were already mentioned. So I'd like to share with you a few thoughts on that statement. How does a leftov, how does savlanut, how does patience bring about all these beautiful things? An ayin tova, a good eye. What is a good eye altogether? A good friend. What does savlanut have to do with 
having a good friend or being a good friend, a good neighbor. So that's what I'd like to go with you today to explore where Savlanut, which we've been studying, is going to be relevant in all these situations. First of all, what is the Ayin Tova? What does it mean to have a good eye? So from the Rishonim, it seems that Ayin Tova is the ability for a person to be happy, not external happy, but really happy, with the success of other people. Whatever kind of success, whatever kind of honor they get, and the ability to see the good in others, to judge favorably others. So one more time, to be happy for other people's success. Ayin tova means I see someone successful, my ayin gets me excited, I'm happy for them. And like I said, when I see them getting honor, kavod, I'm happy for them. And I judge them favorably. So we're going to go through all of that. First of all, it should be clear to all of us, and I'm sure I'm not saying any hidushim, but sometimes we don't like talking about it because it's not so nice. But at the end of the day, being happy for somebody is probably one of the more difficult things in life. It's much easier to be sad for somebody. Somebody's down, it's easier to feel their pain, to feel their sadness, but to be happy for someone and their success is not so normal. And it's not so easy to accomplish. Of course, externally, we always like to put on the face of I'm happy for you because we all know that's the right thing to do. We all know that proper values and midot will tell the person, any person, that being happy for someone is the right thing. No one will disagree with that. So automatically we put on a happy, I'm so excited, I'm so happy for you, and all those words and all those reactions. But in reality, it is very hard to be happy inside for another person. But that's what it means to have an ayin tova. To have a good eye means to have the ability to be happy when you hear good news. I'm going to give you an example in the Torah of someone who was happy for good news. Eliezer Ayved Abraham, the Pasuk says that when he went to find the Shiduch for Yitzhak, he went to the house of Laban and Betuel. After he went by the well, by the water, whatever, he found Rivka. Finally, he went to the house and he gave them his whole sales pitch. And they told him the following reaction. They say, it looks like this is heavenly sent. 
בשידוך, לא נוכל לדבר אליך רע או טוב. We're not able to say anything bad or good. Sounds like they wanted to say, but they couldn't. What can we do? It's min ha-shamayim. Good. Hine rivka lefanecha kach valech. Here's rivka teka. What does Eliezer do when he hears this news? This is his whole mission. He hears that they're willing to part with their daughter. Vayhi, the pasuk says, and it was, Ka'asher shama eved Avraham edivrehem, when he heard the words of Laban and Betuel, the pasuk says, Vayishtahu arza l'Hashem, he bowed to Hashem, thanking him for such wonderful news that he heard that they're willing to make the Shiduch. Over there, if you look in Rashi, Allah Shalom, he says, Mikan, listen to these words, Mikan means from here, sometimes Rashi has to stop you and tell you, wait, something just happened, pay attention, you might miss it. Mikan, here, we're, we're taught something. From here we learn something. What, what, what do we learn? Shemodim al besoratova. That when you hear good news, you say thank you. You stop and you say modim. You don't just continue. You hear something good happen, you stop and you say thank you, Tasha. Mikan. So if somebody asks you, where is the source in the Torah? that a person is supposed to thank Hashem for good news, Eliezer Eved Avraham. However, there is a huge problem with this Rashi. The problem is that if you would be reading this parasha, Parashat Hayesara, you would have already noticed that Eliezer already thanked Hashem beforehand when he got other good news. It says over there that he made a siman, as you know, he made some sort of sign to find if this is the right person or not. And over there, when he saw Rivka, and he saw that things were panning out, it says, Vayikol ha'ish vayishtahu l'ashem He bowed and he thanked Hashem. If you look in Rashi over there, you will not find anything. Rashi doesn't say, oh, Mikan, from here we see that you're supposed to thank Hashem when you hear good news. Here he found this girl, Rivka. She told him who her family was. She invited him to her house. And he bowed to thank Hashem. Good news. He's on a mission. He found the girl from the family he's looking for. And she even invited him to the house. That's beautiful. Great news. He could have gone there and found nobody. Or he could have found somebody with the wrong address. Or the wrong family. But he heard great news. What did he do? He stopped. And he said, thank you Hashem. But yet Rashid doesn't make any comments. Rashi doesn't say, oh, from here, you see, you're supposed to thank Hashem when you hear good news. How come Rashi kept quiet over there? Usually, 
if we find the source, we look for the first source. We don't wait for the second source and say, Mikan, why did Rashi wait for the second time? He bowed and said, oh, from here we learn, you're supposed to thank Hashem when you hear good news. Some want to say, because it wasn't complete yet. He didn't know if she's actually going to come with him. It was just good news in the sense that it was a good start. He was just waiting till the end. That's why Torah Rashi waited. But that's not really a great answer. Because at the end of the day, he did thank Hashem. So whether it was in the beginning or the end, he did thank Hashem even for success in the beginning of the mission. So why not mention it there? I'm going to share with you a very beautiful answer. But it's an answer not just to give you a hidush or a nice Devar Torah on Parashat Hayesara, which it is. But it's an answer that we really have to hold on to and use it as a prime example of what we should strive to become. When Eliezer got good news the first time, the good news was for himself. He's far away. He's a stranger. He has nowhere to go. And somebody invited him to the house. He has a place to sleep, like she told him. We had food for you, for your animals. We have a place for everybody. Fadal, come. At that point, he felt good. Imagine being away and you have nowhere to stay. And somebody invites you over. That's beautiful. What does he do? Good news. He goes and he bows and he thanks Hashem. But the second good news was really not such good news. At least not for him. Because if you recall learning that Eliezer has his own daughter who he would love to make a shiduch with Abraham for his son Yitzhak. It would be nothing greater in his life than to become the consuegro of Abraham. That's what he wanted. And in fact, when Abraham mentioned this mission, he was saying, Eli, maybe, what if she doesn't want to come with me? Ulai, maybe she won't want to come back with me. But it's written in the Torah, Eli. Eli means he was thinking, maybe then, Maybe then I can become, if I don't find anybody, do you think I could be the Mehutan? I could be your consuegro? That was his dream. And now the mission is successful. And it's great news. But it's great news for who? It's great news for Abraham. It's not his great news. And even further, not only is it not great news for him, it's actually bad news for him. You know, there's three, there are three types of news. Good news. There's good news for you. Good news for others. And then there's good news for others that's bad for you at the same time. Like, for example, someone made a lot of money on a deal that you were in and they didn't include you. So it's good news for them. They made money. And you were out. And you lost money. So that's a huge hidush. Rashi's telling you, Mikan... From here we learn that when you hear good news, not your good news, that's obvious. 
If you hear good news, you have to thank Hashem. Rashi didn't even comment on that one. But when you hear somebody else's good news, somebody else's daughter got married, somebody else's child had a child, somebody else's matzliach in business, when you hear good news about somebody else, Mikan, you see from Eliezer that it is appropriate that you should have such an excitement that you stop what you're doing and you say, thank you Hashem, not for me, but thank you for them, I'm so happy for them. Your happiness for other people is so real that you stop and you thank Hashem for what happened to them. And plus, even if it has some negative consequence in your life. That's what Eliezer did. And I can say for sure, I can speak for myself, I'm sure you'll all join me as well. That's very hard to do. Imagine, you have your daughter that wants to marry that guy. And not only do you have to be happy when she gets married, her friend, but she even gets married to the guy you wanted your daughter to marry. That's very hard. That's very, very difficult. So I don't know that we'll be any time we'll be able to graduate anytime soon to Eliezer's level to be happy when we're getting hurt at the same time. But at the very least, we can take one part of it is to be sincerely happy for others. That's called Ayin Tova. Ayin Tova. The ability to be happy when you see and hear other people's success. The Maharal, when he talks about this Midah of Ayin Tova, he really goes in such praise of this Midah. He talks about it he says, Call me Sheyeshlo Ayin Tova. If you have an Ayin Tova. He says, He Mida Shegorem La Adam Tov Harbe. Which means it sets you up for a good life. She'en Davar Sheragil Boha Adam Kemozot. He says, there's nothing that happens more often in your life than to hear and to see good things. How many weddings do you get invited to? How many people are having children? How many people are making money? How many people are building homes? How many people are succeeding in whatever they're doing? It's, you're always hearing about it. You're always seeing it. He calls Sha'a. They call Rega. He's every hour and every moment. A person sees by people, Osher, you see people who are wealthy, you see people who have gedula, she'ar ma'alot, other qualities, Basically what the Maharal is saying is imagine that we would be able to rejoice in other people's happiness. How happy were you at your wedding? Say, very happy. How happy were you at your daughter's wedding? Oh, so happy. Could you imagine that you would have this happiness for every wedding that you go to or hear about? 
How much did your wedding add to your simha? How much did the wedding that you really were happy for add to your life? Was it a day? Was it a week? Was it a month? Could you imagine feeling the simha? I don't know, the same, but somewhat relatively the same for other people's happiness. Could you imagine, says the Maharal, how much happiness your life will be filled with because we hear, Baruch Hashem, so much simcha. Yes, once in a while there's a levaya. Once in a while you hear of a tragedy. But the overwhelming news that we hear about people and the people that we see are good things. Says the Maharal, an ayin tova is your ticket. He calls it le gorem. It causes you tov harbe. You're going to have a lot of happy moments in your life. The question is obviously, how do you do that? It's much easier said than done. And anyone who thinks they have an Ayin Tova, and I know it's probably the norm to think that, I think we have to be a little more honest. And we have to realize how difficult it is to have an Ayin Tova. And to try to figure out how we can graduate to this unbelievable Midah. So to have Ayin Tova, You have to want to have Ayn Tova. You have to want to be happy for others first. Before you can be happy for others. You have to first want to be happy for them. Why would you want to be happy for others? What does that have to do with you? So the answer is that we enjoy when good things happen to good people. When you see a really good person and you love that person, such such a good person, and something good happens to them, you're so happy for them. It's natural. A good person that you appreciate and something good happens to them, you will enjoy, you will appreciate how many times it happened to you when there was a person who you really, really thought a lot of and all of a sudden some beracha came to them and you say, ah, they deserve it. They deserve it. Such good people. So happy for them. To develop happiness for others, the first thing is you have to want to develop happiness for others. And why would you want to? Well, if you see the good in others, if you look at a person and you say, that's a very good person, then automatically you'll want to be happy for them. Which is really what the Maharal says, what, what I mentioned earlier, excuse me, that part of Ayin Tova, part of training in Ayin Tova actually, is to be able to judge people favorably. To be able to see the good in others. Before you can be happy for them, you have to want to be happy for them. Nobody here wants to be happy for Hitler. Yemashima. Nobody says, oh wow, I'm so happy for the guy. He had a child. His daughter got married. 
That's not a good thing to be happy for him. And we have no interest in being happy for him. Now, of course, I took an extreme example. But when someone isn't good, why would I be happy for them? When I look at someone as a demon or someone who is evil, why would I want to be happy for them? In my eyes, they don't even deserve that. So the first step of having Ayn Tovah is first seeing that these people are actually good. And then you'll want to be happy for them. I'm going to give you in the Torah, in Parashat Kedoshim, it talks about different qualities that a person can have in life, and it's mentioned one after the other consecutively. And I want you to imagine for a second that you, or I will imagine for myself, would be this kind of person. Torah says, Lo telech rachil be'amecha. Which means, don't spread lashon hara, don't talk about people. Don't ever do that. Not sometimes. Don't ever do that. Lo telech rachil. Never talk about people. Lo ta'amod al damre'echa. Do not stand by by your friend's blood. Meaning, if your friend needs help, you step up to help him. Don't stand by when people are suffering. They could use your help. You can help them. Get involved. Imagine you had both of that. Both, both of those. Number one, you never speak about people. Number two, you're always there to help those in need. But it doesn't stop. Next. You never hate anybody in your heart. Never hate. Not one person. Not in your family, not out of your family. Nobody. You never hated a person. Which means you care for people and you always try to figure out how to help them, advise them if they're doing wrong. You never take revenge. Ever. You don't even let it harbor in your heart. It's gone. Someone does something to you, gone. Every person that you see, you love them. You love them like you love yourself. Now imagine we forgot the entire Torah for a second and just focus on these things. Imagine a person, you ever meet a person who never spoke Lashara, never stands by people need him, never hates anybody, loves every person that they see, never takes revenge, or doesn't even think of taking revenge. I would ask you, what would that person look like? That person would probably look like a malach. They would look like an angel on this earth. Imagine, they would love every person they see. What is that? They never hate anybody. Unbelievable. A malach. What kind of life will that person have? Amazing. We know that hatred and Lashon Hara and, and all types of 
revenge and all types of bad thoughts, they, they catch up with us. They're the source of all of our problems. You got rid of all of them. What a life this is. So I think we would all agree this is something special. And if I would ask you, so how come you don't do it? It's very simple, not complicated. Why don't you do it? Why aren't you this person? Let's start now. Why are not are you not gonna be this person? From now on, maybe till today, you were Anus, you were Shogeg. You didn't know. No one told you. Now you know the facts. Here are the rules. If I tell you from now on, never do these things. I think you'll probably all tell me, I, I, I'd like to, I would love to, but I don't think it's happening. I don't think it's happening. I agree it's beautiful. I agree it's life-changing. I agree it'll bring sunshine into my life and others' lives. But I don't see myself loving every person that I see. Let me work first on not hating every person that I see. Let's try that. And then we'll go. How am I doing this? Keeping my mouth shut? All day? Every day? Without talking about people? I don't know. I can try it for five minutes a day. No, no, it's not going to work. You need to do it all the time. If I would say to you, come on, you could really make a big change in your life. This is it. This is the ticket. Who can argue with this? Let's start right now. I bet you will tell me, I don't think I can do it. I bet you would say, I think it's too hard. I don't see it. And I would agree with you. It definitely would seem to me that as, even though they're like simple words to read, but each one is a huge mountain to climb. And I think the creator of the world also knows that. That's what's troubling. What's troubling is our answer that we can't is really disturbing because it's accusing the creator of giving advice or commandments for no reason. Because the people who he's talking to can't do it. So who is he talking to? It's like accusing Hashem of saying, I want you to jump to the moon every every year, one time. But I can't do that. That's silly. That's not a problem with me. It's a problem with him. What's he expecting me to do? When our feelings and reaction is, we can't do this, that's a knock not on us. It's a knock on our Creator. He made us in a way, and then He tells us to do things that we can't do it. That's a problem with the manufacturer. Imagine a manufacturer sells you a phone, and then they give you instructions of things to do, but the phone doesn't do that. That's an insult. It's either a defect in his manufacturing or it's an insult to me. 
that he thinks I'm going to do something that the item can't handle. But guess what? If it's written, it means we can do it. As much as we will convince ourselves otherwise. Every single person here could do this. But yet the creator of the world does recognize the challenge. And before he said all of these statements that I just said over to you, he said three words. I skipped those three words when I said over because I wanted you to appreciate what it is that we're, that we're going to achieve. But the Creator knows this is a hard thing to accomplish. So before He even starts to tell us all these commandments that will change our lives, He said three words. It's like an intro, but not so much of an intro. It's more like the medicine. Hashem says, I know that when you're going to read all this, you're going to say, I can't do it. He's talking to the wrong creation. I can't do it. So Hashem says, you could do it. But you need this. Imagine the manufacturer says, you could do it. I just got to send you a tool. If you have the tool, you could do it. Hashem says, before I tell you, I'm going to give you the tool. If you have this tool, you could do it. And you'll be matzliah. What is the tool? Three words. Betzedek tishpot amitecha. Translated literally. It means judge your friend fairly. People use this as the source of giving the benefit of the doubt. But I'd like to just leave it with a simple translation. Be fair when it comes to judging others. Now, if you'll tell me, judge others, I'm not, I don't do that. I'm not judgmental. That is the biggest lie. You are judgmental. I am judgmental. We are all judgmental. We judge all day long. Every person we see, we're judging them. Good, not good, great, not great. Every situation that happens, we judge it. We're judging all day long. It's the most natural part of a human being. We're always judging and we need to judge. How can we not judge? Aren't we supposed to judge if something is a good thing or a bad thing? How else would we decide if we should do it or not? If we're getting married, should we not judge if this is the right person or the wrong person for me? Of course we have to judge. How can we live life in an upright, successful way if we don't judge good from bad, right from wrong? We have to judge. To say I am non-judgmental is silly. It's not only a lie. It's silly. It's not true. We need to judge. We need to judge everything. We need to understand what is ahead of us so we make good decisions. The Torah never says don't judge. When you see another person, judge them. Of course you're supposed to judge them. By the way, when you judge them, you'll see if they need something. If you don't judge people, how will you know if they need you? 
How will you know if they need help financially or they need a little pat on the back or they need something with their children? How will you know if you don't judge? If you just close your eyes, you don't see anything? Of course you're supposed to judge. You're supposed to learn. You're supposed to see, understand. The Torah would never tell us don't judge. It's silly and it's natural to the human. It's not even possible not to judge. But the Torah says, judge, but be fair. Be a fair person. Don't be unfair. What does it mean not to be unfair? And how does that resolve all of our problems in this pasuk? So I'm going to give you examples of what it means to be fair. The Torah, the Mishnah says in Perkei Avot, a very famous Mishnah, I'm sure you've heard it dozens of times. The Mishnah says, dan et kol ha'adam Which means when judging people, here we go again, we're judging people. It doesn't say don't judge, it says judge. Veheve dan, judge every person you see, lekav which means give them the merit, give them the benefit. But notice the words, heve dan et kol ha'adam. What does it mean, judge all the person? It should just say, heve dan kol adam, every person, not all the person. So here lies one example of being unfair that we do all the time. And it has to do with a lack of savlanut. It has to do with a lack of intellectual patience. We see someone doing something wrong. There's no question they're doing something wrong. At least that's what it looks like from our view. But says the Mishnah, et kol ha'adam. Before you can judge the person, make sure you know the entire person. Make sure you know where they grew up, you know how they grew up. Make sure you know what they're going through right now in life. Financially, emotionally, socially, family. Make sure you know all the different pressures going on. Make sure you got all your health, the health issues clear. Make sure you understand what they're going through with their children. Make sure you know the entire book. The guy in front of you is a very big book. Has more pages than any book you've ever dreamt of. The book is full for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of days thousands of days are filling up this book. When you read the entire book, then you can pass a judgment on the person. Then you could say, this person is no good. But until then, because nobody is going to be able to tell me that they know the entire story of this person's life, no one could say, oh yeah, this person, they're really not, they're not a good person. You really know that? Do you know what they're going through? Do you know it? Kol ha'adam. 
Do you know what it took to get them to this point? You can't open up a book on page 500 and start passing judgment on the characters in the, in, in the book. That's not fair. You're not a fair person to judge a person if you don't know what happened before, if you don't know where things are going, and you're taking one comment, you heard them say one thing, you, you, heard, you saw them do one thing, and you take that and you make that the rule. That's not fair. You're not being fair. Betzedek tishpot amitecha. Even if the person is doing something that may be inappropriate, but you have to see it in the context of the entire person. And you'll never know who the entire person is. So therefore, be fair and give them the benefit of the doubt. A person is also multifaceted, which means sometimes a person is not good at A. And we say, oh, that person is a bad person. Because they're always doing this. But meanwhile, they're not a bad person. They could be doing a hundred other things good. It's not fair to brand the person bad because of one thing that they do. Even if they're at fault and even if they have no excuse. But you can't make the entire person. It's kol ha'adam. You're going to say the entire person is bad? Let's say we would agree that when I open to page 500, what happened in page 500 is 100% horrible and evil. Because I checked out everything else. Yes, what happened on page 500 was very bad. That still doesn't give you the right to make the entire person evil. It's called ha'adam. It's not fair. Even if someone does something inappropriate, and even if they do it all the time, that doesn't turn them into an evil person. There are so many other things about a person. Many that we know and some maybe we don't know. How does it work? If I would tell you, are you a good person? Now, don't answer that question. I'm sure all of you will stop being humble. I'm not sure. I don't know. But in reality, if you took out your humility, or maybe fake humility, we'll call it, and you honestly said, how do you feel? You feel you're a good person, tell me. I bet we would all say, yes. I'm a good person, yeah, I am. I help people, take care of my family, take care of my parents, I go to Shurim, I keep Shabbat, I pray, I do. Okay, good. And you'll bring me a hundred proofs why you are a very good person. And I bet there are people in your life, and I'm not going to ask you to name them. I bet there are people in your life, oh, maybe just one. They say, is that a good person? So, oh no. Maybe it's a neighbor that has called the Department of Buildings on you for the last 30 years. Maybe it's someone who's constantly talking about you and what you're doing, making your life and your family miserable. Whatever it might be. Say, let me ask you, you know that person? It's a good person? No. That's a very bad person. How many times have you heard people say that? 
or that they're very bad. Wow, very bad. Now, after we interrogated you about yourself and that person, so I said, you know, I want to ask you a question. You said you're a good person? The other day, I saw you running a red light. I saw it. Clear red light, you said, you looked around, you saw there's no one around, and boom. Was that you? Yeah, it was me. You know, the other day I saw you, and it looked like you were sharing information that might have been private. Was that you? Yeah, it was me. But I don't get it. You just said you're a good person. Why are you running red lights? Why are you giving people secrets? I don't understand you. I bet you will answer me and say, well, listen, I said I'm a good person. I didn't say I was perfect. <laughs> Even good people, there's room for good people to do bad things. And if I would ask you, so tell me, that evil neighbor that you have. I mean, I know he's a very bad guy, but you know I saw him the other day delivering flowers to the old age home? Oh, really? Yeah. All right, listen. Even bad people do good things. I mean, when I say bad, I don't mean he doesn't do anything good. So look what's happening. What's happening is basically is like this. When it comes to me, the rule is I'm good. That's the rule. I'm a good person. Anything I do bad, put it in the exception box. Now the exception box could be bigger than the other box, by the way. <laughs> but it's in the exception box because I'm really good. And I'll bring you a hundred proofs for why I'm good. Anything I do wrong, it's in the other box, in the exception box. Because listen, even good people could do bad. It's a known thing. Don't bother me. The guy who you hate the rule is they are evil. And I'll prove you, I'll give you a hundred proofs. And everything they do good goes in the exception box. That's what we do. That's a real life assessment. That, the Torah says, is not fair. Be fair. We're not asking you to be blind. But be fair. Don't look at the entire person and say they're bad because of the bad thing that they do. Just like you wouldn't do that to yourself. You would be very disturbed if someone called you bad because they saw you do something bad. You would say, come on, is that fair? You wouldn't deny it, but you say, is that fair? It call ha'adam. Be fair. So far, in two ways. Number one, be fair not to judge what's happening if you don't even know what's going on. You're right, he said that, but do you know what happened before? And be fair even if you found something absolutely bad. Are you able to coin that person? 
It's a bad person. That's not fair. And there are other types of other types of ways where we are unfair. Sometimes people are nasty to us and nasty to others around us. And sometimes it continues for a long time. But you know what the Gemara says? The Gemara says, Mikan she'en adam nitfas besha'atzaro. The Gemara says, he's talking about Iyov. Iyov said some very inappropriate things when he was suffering. And Hashem did not hold it against him. And the Gemara says, why? Can't talk like that. Can't say those words. The Gemara says, listen, when a person's in pain, you gotta cut him some slack. When people are in pain, they do things they don't normally do. It's called out of character. It's not who they are. They're in pain. They're suffering. They're not thinking. You know how much suffering there are there is in this world? You know how many people are suffering every day? It's unfortunate. That's what we're learning about Simha. But you would never imagine who's suffering. It has nothing to do with them being married or not being married. If they have children, they don't have children. They have money, they don't have money. People suffer in all areas. There's no one group that suffers, one type that suffers. There's all different types of suffering that people go through. Sometimes you can look at a person and they have everything, but they're suffering. For whatever reason. And sometimes because they have everything they suffer. You never know who has issues with their, ch with their child. Who's suffering with their husband. You never know who's suffering with their own anxiety or their own fears. You never know. Now of course we'll have a solution. You know, And we love to say, I would never do that. I would never say that. I would never act like that. All those lines are meaningless nonsense. Because you're not them and they're not you. And you would never know what you would do if you were them. Who knows what you would do if you were in their position? That's a very important rule. En adam nitfas besha'at sa'aro. Your child comes home from school. They're up in arms, they're angry, they're upset. Something happened to them. And they're saying all types of things and they're acting way out of line. You can't take that too seriously. You can't brand that as, that's my child. That's not fair. And we must realize that even if we saw Kol Adam, and even if we read the whole book, and we saw the evil, and even if it was clear that the evil is even more than we would like it to be, still, there might be another area to check. And that's how much pain a person is going through. Usually, people who make others in pain is because they're in pain. That's the usual rule. I can't tell you it's always, 
But the usual rule, if someone is making your life miserable, it's because they are miserable. So what are you judging them? They're miserable people. They don't even know what they're doing. They're upset, they're hurt, they're suffering, they're frustrated, they're not thinking. But say like, you would want people to judge you that way. You would want, have, how many times has it happened to you when you were in pain about something and were not in the mood and you expected everyone to know that and just stay away. And people come and say, now come, let's talk, really, right now? I really not, I don't want to have any conversation. Yeah, it sounds a little rude. Someone comes to help you, you say, I don't want to talk to you. But in your mind, you say, it's okay, I'm in pain now. I'm allowed to have this break. I'm allowed to have this right now. I could talk like that. I could sit in my room for a couple of hours. I could do it. I'm in pain. It's normal. That's fair. That's called being fair. You would expect people to cut you some slack when you do things in a painful situation. So when you're seeing other people behave in a way that's not normal. By the way, when I say other people, I always mean your husband and your children and your close family. Whenever I talk about other people, people like start talking about their neighbors and their cousins like from Africa. I'm not talking about those people. The, the, the most relevant betzedek tishpot amitecha are the people that you live with. There is no greater betzedek tishpot amitecha that applies are the people in your home. It's a life changer. When the eye starts to see something different, when the judgment is telling the eye, that's not what you're seeing. How does the eye become an eye in Tova? When your judgment, when your judgment looks at something and says, oh, I don't get it, I don't understand it, oh, who knows? But if your eye is seeing something bad, it's the beginning of many bad things which we'll discuss. Sometimes people are in pain about what's happening to their children or what's happening to their parents. You have someone at the hospital who all them, their father is suffering and their father just died. And they're going wild with the hospital. I'm not saying you should do that. Telling the doctor, how could you do this? You killed my father. I've seen that firsthand. Now imagine the takeaway would be, what a rough guy who talks like that to doctors. There's a famous story that happened in New York City. I think it happened. I saw it written, but I can't vouch for it about a man sitting on a train with his children, little boys, 
and they're making a ruckus in the train. They're running back and forth. They're bumping people, they're screaming, they're yelling. And the worst part of it all is the father is sitting there as if they don't belong there. Every time they walk by him, he gives them a smile, he gives them a pat on the back, and there they go again. After a minute, people are looking. Two minutes, they're getting, three minutes, they're getting crazy. Five minutes, they're thinking, what kind of fan, what kind of people are these? Just imagine 10 minutes of that. Each one's looking at the father like he's. So after, who knows how long, someone came over to my father and says, you know, are those your children? He says, yes. He says, do you realize they're making a ruckus on the train? They're disturbing everybody here. He says, how could you sit there and not even try to get order? He says, I hear you. I'm also thinking about it. But I'm thinking, what do I tell them? We just came back from the hospital and their mother passed away. He says, what? I don't know what to tell them. Now what happened at that moment? All of a sudden, oh, wow. That all, all makes sense now. We know that when people are in pain, they do silly things. And we wouldn't judge them for that. We just have to realize that people are in pain even when we don't know. There's another aspect of Betzedek. I'll tell you a story that happened, a true story. A woman is standing by the aisle in a supermarket, shopping, in a Jewish supermarket, and she hears two ladies on the other side of the aisle. She doesn't see them, and they're talking about some girl in the community who was involved in A and B and C and D, and all the terrible things that happened with this girl. And as she's listening, thinking, wow, what kind of sick girl is this? Who's her family? What, what's kind of, what kind of parents she has? What's the upbringing she has? To do all of that? Shema Yisrael. And then by the end of the conversation, they mentioned the girl's name. And it was her daughter. And when she hears it's her daughter, now it's camping. Camping, camping, camping. How many times has someone been approached about their son or daughter that they did something, were involved in something that my 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 son? Camping, camping, camping. Because when you love somebody, the automatic reaction is to look. To get them away from the bed, not to not not to put more bed on them. Betzedek Tishpot Amitecha says, "Look at every person like he's your son. Be fair. Don't be blind, but be fair. If he was your son, would you accept it right away? Would you not even look into the matter? You would just put boom and X on the person. 
There's a story. I'm going back to the previous thing. There's a story. There was a great rabbi in Europe. His name was Chaim Ozer Gudzinski. A man came to him and asked him for a recommendation for his father to be the rabbi of a certain small town. His father needed Parnassah. And uh, the boy wanted his father to get the job. So he asked the great rabbi, can, can he write a letter of recommendation to the town to consider his father as the rabbi? And the rabbi didn't feel honestly that he is worthy of such a letter. And he found his way to get out of it. Basically he told him no. And the boy, this young man, the son, and how old he was actually, shouldn't say boy. His son went into a craze, yelling, disrespected a rabbi. It was like unheard of. And the rabbi just kept quiet. After somebody asked the rabbi, how did you keep quiet? How did you do that? That was pretty strong. He says, I'm going to be upset with this young man. He's worried about his father. He loves his father. He's worried about his father. He's not doing me. He's not upset with me. He's hurt for his father. When people are hurt, they do things. That's what it means, be fair. called the Lamed Zechut. You know, in Hebrew they say, Lamed Zechut, to learn merit. What does it mean to learn merit? It means you have to sometimes learn a little or try to look into it a little better so you could see what the possible merits are. You would do that if it was someone that you love or close to you. And if you want a little hizuk in this area, because if what we said is not enough, because the Torah is promising that you'll be a malach if you change and if we change this mindset. If we start doing betzedek tishpot amitecha, then we will not speak lashon hara. We'll be very careful. The same way we don't speak about our children lashon hara. Why? Because we love them. We see the good in them. We will love people so much more. We wouldn't hate people. It's all starting with our judgment. If we had a fair judgment, life would be so much different. Because ultimately, the catastrophes of life happen because of a bad judgment. Think about the stories in the Torah. I'll give you just two examples. The story of Miriam and Aharon. When they spoke against Moshe Rabbeinu. And they said, why did he leave his wife? We also talked to Hashem. We didn't have to stop. And they spoke negatively of Moshe Rabbeinu. Hashem came and told them, you're not Moshe Rabbeinu. You're judging Moshe like he's you. He's not you. I talked to him differently. You're not the same. So where was the mistake? The mistake of Miriam and Aharon wasn't the Lashon Hara. It was a misjudgment. They didn't check into the matter. And because of that, it caused 
Lashon Hara. The story of the Meraglim, of the spies. Very obvious example. After the spies come back, they're there for 40 days. They come back, they give a negative report. The people are very upset. Says the Torah, Hashem tells them, Bemispar Hayamim. How many days you were in Israel? 40? You're going to have to stay for every day, one year in the desert. Because of what you did. 40 days, 40 years. Our rabbis ask, one second, 40 days? They didn't sin for 40 days. That was a mission Hashem sent them. Moshe okayed it. Moshe sent them, Hashem okayed it rather. They didn't do anything wrong. Why are they being punished for 40 days? They sinned for maybe 40 seconds or 40 minutes. But the great Rosh Hashiva of Chaim Kismushulavit says beautifully, he says that the real problem didn't happen when they came back. That's just the end. But it was already broken when they were watching for 40 days with the wrong judgment. They saw everything backwards. They saw people dying. Hashem is trying to help them. They saw it. Oh, wow. This is a country where people are dying all the time. Instead of seeing into it and seeing the good in it, they saw everything with the wrong lens. When you see 40 days with the wrong lens, you come back and you have a very negative report. When we speak about people, it's because we have the wrong judgment and that becomes the result. All these things the Torah is mentioning. You know why you're not loving people like you should? You know why? Because you're missing the tool that said that You know why you're hating people? Too many people. You know why? You don't have the tool. You know why you're have revenge. You know why you have? Because you don't have bet And I want to give you a little hizuk in this area. Because you can never have enough strength to fulfill such beautiful words and such powerful consequences that will come out of them. Who doesn't want to be that person? Who doesn't want to be that malach that we described? So I'm going to give you a little hizuk, a little strength to walk out of here today, all of us, that our judgments are not going to be the same. We're going to be fair. Even with people in the past, we're going to change the way we view things. We're not going to be naive. We're not going to be blind. But we're going to be fair. It says in Masechet Shabbat, Haddan et havero lekav zechut, Someone who judges his friend favorably. Danin oto lezechut. They will judge you favorably as well. Now that's hard to understand on a simple level. Because when we judge favorably, it's because we have a doubt. We don't know. A guy walked into McDonald's. Did he go in to eat? Did he go to the bedroom? I don't know. Torah says favorably. A guy, uh, I see him driving on Shabbat. Is he on a Hatzalah call? Is he taking his wife to the hospital? Or is he going to work? I, I don't know. I don't know. 
Kav Zechut. Our Kav Zechut starts with a doubt. We don't know what's going on. We don't see the 700 pages. We don't know. What was he really doing? What did he mean by that? We don't see how much pain they're in. We don't have all that information. Hashem says, be fair. Kav Zechut. You don't know the whole story. You don't know the whole person. But that doesn't apply by Hashem. How could Hashem judge favorably? What does that mean? Hashem sees the whole book. He sees everything going on in that person's life. And he's able to look and see the emet. If a person did bad, it's bad. And Hashem judges it accordingly. With everything, with the right lens. There's no doubt in Hashem's world. So what does it mean Hashem will judge Lakav Zechut? In what way? Hashem has no doubts. So I saw an answer by the Hafez Haim who says beautifully. He says that when people mark a test, you know, you went to school, I'm sure, and you had some teachers that were very strict when they mocked. If you said the answer, but you missed one word, you got an X. But I got the answer. I know, but you didn't write that word. You want me to figure it out? I'm not doing that. If it's not written perfectly, you get it wrong. They want everything done perfectly, otherwise it's wrong. And then you had those teachers that if it looked like you were half in the ballpark, they just check. If they saw one word out of 30 that made like you knew anything about the question, check. You love those teachers. Two types of people. One is very makpid, very, very strict when they mark tests, and one is very lenient and very loose, or somewhere in between. The question is, when Hashem marks us every day in our lives, when we're getting marked, the question is, is Hashem strict or is Hashem lenient? Is He like the first teacher or like the last one or somewhere in between? So it's telling you over here, it says the Hafez Hayim, the way you are with people, that's how Hashem is with you. If you're strict, He'll be strict with you. If you're lenient, you cut people slack, He'll cut you some slack too. And if Hashem is going to be strict with us, I'm telling you that right now, ladies and gentlemen, we are dead. We're doomed. <laughs> Imagine you go to Shammai. So tell me, did, did you pray in your life? Me? Never missed a day. I prayed every day. Oh, really? Okay. Let's go to the videotape. They stay, see, looks like you're praying. And then they put a little laser into your brain. And you're like in China somewhere. Then you went to the Caribbean for a little bit. And then you're thinking you hate that person. How are you going to deal with him? And then by the time you finish, you say, I'll say Shalom bin Ramat. Hashem says, wait, that... That's a tefillah? You call that prayer? X. You didn't pray nothing. What prayer? That's called that's not praying. See, you're giving tzedakah. Isn't you do hasad? Me? Hasad? All the time. Big ba'alaf hasad I am. Big time. Okay, let's go to the videotape. They open the tape. And they see that you're helping somebody. Wow, looks so good on the picture. Then they take the sonogram of your brain and 
and they see, oh, wow, I better help them today because tomorrow I need them to help me. Better step up. You know, they have a cousin. I want that for my daughter. So I better show them, really. They might put my name up on the board. I think, I said, you're Baal Hazard. That's a Baal Hazard. That's called charity. X, next. In my opinion, I think we wouldn't score one point. If they were going to put the sonogram in our brain, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. Let's let's be a little bit more ambitious. Maybe we'll score 10%. I don't know, 20%. I don't think we could survive a strict type of marking. I think if we had a loose type of marking system, we'd be better off. So is it going to be loose or it's us to decide? Hashem will decide based on how we mark others. We're very strict with others. That's the way they deal with us. But now I'm going to tell you something unbelievable. This is wild. It's really unbelievable. It says in Perkei Avot, Al tadin et havercha. Do not judge your friend. Until you reach his place. Simply, simply read it means that who are you to judge the person? Like we said before, you're not in his place. You don't know what they're going through. When you get to his place, then you could charge judging. That's the simple words. But the Baal Shem Tov says such a beautiful, beautiful explanation and he proves it from Tanakh. He says that sometimes in life, in Shamayim, certain judgments are not so clear. And they don't really know how to judge you. It's not a black and white thing. So what will they do? They'll say, okay, you know something? We're going to put you to be the judge. You judge. You judge yourself. For example, for example, you have a person that blocked your driveway, right? That's a rough one. And now you're waiting to leave. It's five minutes, but it feels like five hours. And they block, and now, right? You're thinking, these people are such a reshaim. They don't care about people. They don't care about people's time. They probably abuse each other, these people. They don't respect their parents. And they start calling them names. Names in English. Name in Hebrew. Names in Aramaic. They'll give them all time. I'm telling you, I've heard people who I know don't speak a word of Hebrew. But in this situation, they become like unbelievably huh? they know every word you name it Shem Reshaim Yirkam in 10 minutes you could do a lot whether you're saying it or you're and then you call your friend also and you share with them Havruta you, do, you, do, you deal with it Says the Baal Shem Tov, this is the way it works. Maybe a few months ago, you were on King's Highway, 
and you were really rushing and needed to get just one thing from the store. You weren't going shopping. You wanted one thing. You needed some milk. That was it. You couldn't find parking. You drove for 10 minutes. You can't find parking. How, how long did it drive around? So you saw a car. Looks like it's been there for the last 10 minutes. So you assumed if it's there for 10 minutes, it'll probably be there another 10 minutes. You even checked the meter and it says 10 more minutes. That's obvious. And you put your car blocking that car. Now, what kind of offense is that? What happens to that? What, what kind of person are you who does that? So in Shemayim, they said, we don't really know. I don't know. I mean, listen, he drove around, he tried. He didn't try to block him, but he had no choice. He needed milk, it's not a big deal. He thought it was not a big deal, okay. How did I judge you on this? So what basically they do is, they give you the same situation, and they have a pad and paper, a pad with a, some paper and a pen, and they wanna see what happens, who are you that blocks people on King's Highway? Who are you? What are you? How do we judge you? So, they put the guy in your driveway. <laughs> and then they take notes. And they say, okay, so what do you say about that guy? Yemah Yemah that's you. Hazaka Baruch. And everything you could think of, they're giving you a list, and they hand you the tickets, and it is you. Which means, says the Baal Shem they're not going to let you judge your friend. It's because you were there before. And they need to see what it is that you say about you. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine judging your neighbor? Or judging any type of situation in life? I bet everything that we judge, we probably did also. If you need hizuk in this area, just remember, you're judging yourself. You see sometimes a mother yelling at her child in the street. You say, what kind of mother is this? Who does that? Ah, you never did that? You never yelled at your kid? You didn't act inappropriately? You didn't? They will show you an image similar to yours. We have an example of this in Tanakh. In Tanakh, there's a story that proves this. Famous story with David HaMelech when he took Bathsheba. And Natan HaNavi comes, the prophet comes, to tell David, listen, what are you doing? That was a terrible thing. But look what he tells him. He doesn't say anything like that. He says, David Melech, I have a halachic question for you. Could you help me? He says, of course. He says, you know, there was a man, story, a man, he had a lot of sheep, very wealthy person. Very, very wealthy. He had everything he wanted. And there's a guy next door to him, Hazid doesn't have anything. He only had one sheep. This sheep, he took care of her. He was, this is his only possession that he has. He says, one day, the wealthy man was getting guests to his home 
and he had to slaughter one of the sheep. He looked at all his sheep and says, Ah, haram, to slaughter my sheep. He looked at the one sheep next door. He says, Oh, let me take that one. And he takes the sheep. He says, Vayikah et kifsat ha'ish harash. He took the guy's only sheep. And he cooked it for the guest that he had. So Natan says to David, what do you, what's the halakha with this guy? What do we do with him? It says, David got very upset at the man. There was no man, but he got upset at him. He says, by Hashem's name, I swear, he says, Ki ben mavet ha'ish ha'osezot. Someone who does this, he deserves to die. Now, by the way, you don't die in Judaism for stealing. But I guess the, the, the stealing with such a lack of empathy or lack of feeling, what are you doing? You have everything. The guy has nothing. You took his sheep. Says David Melech, that guy is ben mavetu. He deserves to die. And Natan and David turns to David and he says the most unbelievable words. Vayomer Natan el David Atta Haish. The man is you. You're the man. You're that guy. It's an unbelievable thing. I wonder why didn't he just ask about himself? Why don't you just ask him, David, what's the halakha by you? What you did? Unfortunately, when we look at ourselves, we don't see what we're capable of seeing. When we realize that we're judging somebody else, we could see. We have to know that when we're judging others, we're judging ourselves. That's what Natan told David. He told him, whatever judgment you give that man, that's your judgment. And that's where Hashem puts us in life. So many examples that would change our lives, literally. How many in-law issues do we have? How many in-laws issues do we have? Our daughter gets married. We thought they were fine people. We thought. But now we realize they're not. Because every Shabbat, they want them by them. What, do they think that we're not relevant? Do they think we don't exist? And on and on. And then what happens? You start having the negative view and the negative, and all of a sudden it turns to such an evil, horrible relationship. We view them as people out to get us. They don't care about us. How about when your children get married? And they don't call home anymore. Get so disturbed. They don't call. They don't care about me. And even when they call, my daughter-in-law never gets on the phone. Oh, she's oh, she's probably the one telling him not to call. For sure. What kind of daughter-in-law is this? Which daughter-in-law doesn't call her mother-in-law? I wish I knew this before they got married. I'm being nice. Because there's so much more I could say to you. 
that will get really personal and will upset you. So I'm staying away. But you understand, this is what we do all the time. We just go on and on and on and make up stories and make up svarot. And we're unbelievable. Betzedek tishpot amitecha. It will give you an ayin tova. To have ayin tova, you need sablanut. To be able to look at something and say, relax. Don't judge it. Wait. Wait. Let's, let's think it through. Do they really mean to hurt you? Are they really bad people? Do, they, do you really know what's going on? Don't pass judgment quickly. Savlanut. You have a left hook. What happens when you have a left hook? You think it through. You realize you're judging yourself too. What do you do after that? Savlanut. All of a sudden, you have an ayin tova. You see good. When you see good, you start to appreciate people. When you appreciate people, you have good friends. You have a good friend. How could you have good friends if you're always looking with a negative eye? And then you'll have a good neighbor too. And you'll be a good neighbor. That's what the rabbi told them. The rabbi said to them, if you have Lev Tov, you will have Haver Tov. You'll have good friends in your life. You'll have a Shachen Tov. You'll have good neighbors. Because even if they're not so good, they'll become good. Because you see them good. And you'll be good to them. You'll have ayin tova. You have a good eye. You'll be able to exist, uh, excuse me, to think about the consequences to see the nolad. If you have savlanut, all of your relationships in life will change for the better. Why? Because you're not passing a quick judgment. You're giving yourself the ability, the time, stop, Think it through. Kola Adam. What are they going through? Did they mean it? Do they know what they're doing? All of the things that we spoke about and more. And then if you still can't find anything, say, well, if I'm judging myself, I also did that. And after all that, you see the good. You say, come on, they didn't mean it. They didn't know what they were saying. They didn't realize it. Have an ayin tova. When you have an ayin tova, you start to like people. You start to see people, you like them. Wow, what a fine person. So nice. They come to class, they learn, they do such good things. The Ayn Ra'as says, that person, ah, they always talk English. Ah, they, they always look to find the bad. When you have Ayn Tova, you see the good, then you start being happy for people. Such good people. Simha happened to them. I'm so happy for them. So nice. Because when you see good, you'll be happy for them. And then, all of the other areas in life will come together. You'll start to love, you won't hate anybody, and on and on and on. This is one of the big advantages of Savlanut. It changes everybody around you because you will change your view of everybody around you. They will change in your eyes and they will actually become better because you see them as better, you'll treat them better, and you'll have a life full of simha and like Eliezer you'll be able to thank Hashem not only for your happiness for their happiness such wonderful people such good things to them thank you Hashem for giving them such beracha have a wonderful day